0: heart-to-heart heart was way before way yeah. before way it, before heart-to-heart heart was seminal how about that how about th- <laughs> how about we do that because their marriage was their murder man- when they because when they got mad <laughs> when they got together it was it murder. was murder <laughs>
1: which it literally was when he was with uh, on that boat i i don't want to go totally woke on you guys but i think these days you're not supposed to say seminal you're supposed to say ovular because it was murder <laughs> yeah fair enough
2: Smith just smacked the s*** out of me. Keep this... my wife's name out your mouth. Wow, dude. Yeah. It was a G.I. Jane joke. Keep my wife's name out your f***ing mouth. I'm going to, okay? That was the uh, greatest night in the history of television, Well, slap my face. It's another glop culture. <laughs> uh, wait, That's I guess if, if when, it was
1: slap my fanny, it'd be another Madison Corthon or the
2: orgy. <laughs> when well, when did you, you think of that? When is that? Oh, I literally I, I, thought I of that it. two seconds before I opened my mouth. Huh? Because I am quick-witted. I am I would hot say... on the ball. That's me, John Ponhoritz, and the other guy who is seeming to think that Garigating. I wrote that line Twenty four hours ago, as opposed to really the second that Scott Emmergott, our producer, said you can you can go is Rob Long elsewhere in New York. Hi Rob. Hi, John. How are you? And the guy with the fanny joke with Madison Cawthorn, that's Jonah Goldberg in Washington. Hello, John. Uh so yes, it's has been a great it's been a great week for the violation of norms, Madison Cawthorn being one, and of course the slap, uh Will Smith's uh slapping uh Chris Rock on the face you know in the face. Uh, on live television in front of 15 million people in America and God knows how many abroad. Uh, And I I, am now, as it's like 72 hours later, I I thought at the time, and I think now, it is the single weirdest thing that has ever happened
0: on television
2: in my life. Ever, I mean, there been hor- there been yeah. worse things. There have been more horrible things. You know, like, but it's not that weirdest. I was not that I remember it. But like, you know, I don't know. Jack Ruby shooting Lee Harvey Oswald is probably right. you know on television is probably did he though did he did though he? okay <laughs> but he it's something more <laughs> epical you know or whatever. Oh, wait, but, so um, you're
0: saying it's the weirdest because it was the it what was the, what we've was the, never I seen. It is
2: a thing that has never happened before. Right. Not only was it a an act of 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 physical violence in a setting that was not a sports arena, was it the okay? But it was two incredibly famous people having a physical altercation right live on television. Well, in an ex, you know totally out of keeping with anything that has ever happened. There wasn't much us. altercating. Like, yeah, I was, was going to say like, altercations were. You mean <laughs> physical assault, right? Because it really yeah, it was assault, the sound. Right. Alter, it, it was right. the sound
1: of one hand slapping. Right.
0: Yeah. No.
2: Right. Pushback. Yes.
0: Yes. Um. Uh. What was the see to? To me, can you think of
2: another? Can you think of something weirder? No.
0: I. I. No. But to me, the weirdest thing about it wasn't really even the slap. It was the the blind anger that we saw on his face on the way back from the slap, and then the kind of double downing eruption screaming from the chair from his seat. Um, that was so weird and horrifying. But mostly weird and horrifying because there are um there are people in Hollywood with rage problems not by the way, I should say full disclosure the, the people I you know never of them with, with well <laughs> not a rage problem <laughs> um, uh people i know who who work with who've worked with him, with will Smith um have reported that he is um incredibly incredibly lovely lovely person right so i'm not you know who knows but I, I have seen this kind of anger, this kind of weird volcanic. You know, red fog, anger uh, in some people, and it's always what's horrifying about it is you just you can't you can't believe it's happening, and their it's their humiliation afterwards that makes them angry. It's their mm-hmm. it's their mortification that this happened, that they let they let it out, and everyone in Hollywood has seen certain people do that. Uh, I've been a bystander to it at least twice, and what's amazing about it is just how. You do naturally go to the person who unleashed it and want to make them they, – they are the weakest person in the entire
2: scenario in a weird way. Right. I don't know. Just, just the, well, that's my two cents. Twice in my career, once at Time Magazine, which is my first job, and once at the Washington Times, about six or seven years later, I worked with uh, two different people who erupted, not physically, but screaming. Um, I'd heard that they had had a tendency to do this, right? And that the eruption was instantaneous, and 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 not um, was not uh, there were no precursor events. That this was uh, a quirk, a feature of their personalities. That something <laughs> bug, would happen. That something would happen that would annoy them, and that what was triggered was Vesuvius. You know, not. Oh my God, you know, not like rolling eyes or even slapping a desk or something, just screaming at the top of their lungs, having five seconds earlier, been speaking at a normal conversational level. And in both of those cases, it wasn't that the the eruption, once was the eruption was sort of at me or something that had happened, but once it had nothing to do with me, it was just the, it was just frustration at a situation. And um, on the one hand, it could be terrifying if you're the sort of person who was terrified by... Right by that and on the other it is it is like a momentary glimpse of madness like it it is like oh my god that person is really 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 sick yeah right and and it kind of triggers it can trigger a kind of momentary uh compassion but i the, the physicalization of it the fact that he hit him that just changed changes everything
0: can i tell a personal story uh, I was on the phone with my writing partner, with a director, a very, uh, at that time, extremely prominent director uh, who had a rage problem that we didn't, that then we discovered on the phone. And, um, you know, we've been going out of our business. We we're we were all working on a project together. And, uh, you know, we were doing it our way, which is the way the writers do it in television. You sort of you just do it. And we sort of made some changes to it. And then, we, you know, we weren't terribly um, politic about it. We should have gather all the the stakeholders in the project together and said, Hey, listen, we're trying to change this thing. We think it it was a really small adjustment, but we want to make the adjustment. And instead we just didn't do it because we'd never done it. We'd never worked this way before. And uh, we were on a, on a call, big call with a network and we had said, Hey, we're thinking about this. And what are you thinking about? And, uh, and then he called us back after the, after the, after the call, and was just in rage, just like volcanic, screaming, foaming, and spittle flecked anger. Um. And uh, I was like, I was just, I was stunned. I was like one of those people in the, in the theater. Like, I, I don't know what to, I don't know what to do now. This is I don't know what to do. Um, and uh, he slammed down the phone and then I was like staring and my writing partner, Ice, who, who is, uh, you know, has, is very smart. Um, but is also very emotional, but like knows when to pull it in. With just ice water in his veins, he picked up the phone. And he dialed back the office, director's office. And he said, put him on the phone. Put him on the phone now. And I, had, I was completely, I had no, I, had, I was trying to gather my thoughts. And then he goes, hello. And all he, I heard my rightward say, says, let me tell you one thing. If you ever talk to me like that again, it'll be the last time we speak. I do not need this. I refuse to take this. You can scream at anybody in your life that way, but you may not scream at me. And that He's man there. was Paulie Shore. Link and I are cruising the mountain, bro. And We figured we're a little juice. <laughs> yeah. No, he was, he was very prominent he said, Is that clear? And then I heard him raise his voice. Said, no, no, no. Is that clear? Yes or no? Okay, then. And then he hung up. And I was like, God, I wish I had thought of that. <laughs> I was still like thinking, like, oh my God, did he really scream? like my brain had already fogged it out. But did there he, are some people who can did handle it. And you yeah, the, yeah. Him. Then he liked. To, then we had a we, were, we 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 had a summit meeting at the Casa Del Mar Hotel at the lunch area, and he uh, tearfully asked us to forgive him, which it works, by the way. That's the the forgiveness, as we discovered. The begging speech, as we discovered, forty five minutes after the slap, is actually somehow worse than the slap. It's more, more where you want to crawl up your own yeah. butt to like to get out of here, right? But um, but that is how that is the that is how people in that business get around they get around by like enormously outrageous emotion followed by enormously tearful apologies and everyone is just so exhausted at the end they don't want to talk about it anymore because i think it's what's going to happen
2: jonah i guess the question is is there does this have cultural ramifications i don't mean what happens to will smith's career what happens to did chris rock or whatever or anything like that but um there is there is a kind of uh, foman idea sort of in the ether that um that this is the logical end result of the two years that we've spent uh, you know uh, since the pandemic and uh, that we've all had this experience i think of going around seeing people losing it people mm-hmm. uh, in the summer of 2020 uh, i i people people were screaming at people in stores uh, you know uh, mm-hmm. we've had these fights on airplanes and all of that that somehow this was some kind of Jungian manifestation of the country's out-of-control, you know, the break from normality. And here we had it happen right in front of us with, you know, one of the, I don't know, five most famous movie stars of the last 30 years, maybe? Hmm. Right? Yeah,
1: I mean, I, I think metaphorically that definitely works. Um, but, like, I, I'm i just going to go out on a limb, here and say <laughs> that that Will Smith's self quarantining during COVID was not as stressful as ours was, <laughs> yeah, right. and yeah. um, and I'm not saying that we had the most stressful self quarantining, but like when you have plural homes and access to private jets, the idea that like COVID was a real burden is just mm-hmm. less. That said, uh, you know, like I do think it's going to live on for a really long time for a lot of equally sort of just practical reasons first of all we have so few shared experiences in our culture anymore and this either you saw it live or you saw it within 24 hours and you felt like you were seeing it live and everyone was talking about it no one there were no safe harbors from it kind of thing and because of memes you know it's like that that graphic that, that drawing of batman slapping robin Right, yeah. that people plug in stuff to all the time. People are going to be plugging that into oh. Chris Rock and 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 Will Smith. Already, oh, they already are, but, but they're going to be doing it for years. And, the audio is
0: already TikTok, you know. Yeah,
2: so it's, it's yeah. with a,
1: it's going to have a weird
0: sort of like what
1: do they call it in film? You know, the the where the image burns in and fades on your eye over time, yeah. kind of thing. Culturally, it's going to have something like that for a really long time. Um, I got to say, you know, I watched it's it's so funny i wa i don't know if it's so funny i watched the oscars i watch even some of the the red carpet stuff which i don't, normally never do and i got so bored with the oscars i tweeted i'm going to bed let me know if anything <laughs> interesting happens and yeah. literally two minutes after i cut off yeah. from the world this happened so i didn't know about it till the morning yeah and um or until the middle of the night when i saw my texts and um um But what is, I I, I don't want to make some sort of cheap, anti-woke, anti-inclusiveness kind of joke about it, but like, it was amazing at how much the Oscars leaned into Black people. I mean, it was just, for the first, for the red carpet thing, it was all uh, Black people doing the interviews, mostly interviewing Black people. And then the first I don't know, 40 minutes of the Oscars. It was just lots of coded inclusiveness, inclusiveness, inclusiveness. Talk about, you know, you know, people from my community and it's almost always either, you know, black or Hispanic people or both, or, you know, the whole right. checklist of that woman who was in, in West Side Story. And there is, I don't, and no one wants to write about it. And I understand why I'm a little nervous even talking about it here. I don't think you guys will cancel me, but like there is a weirdness to the fact that like, The Oscars finally figured out, at least in their own mind, how to get past Oscars so white stuff and beam this, you know, from the opening thing with Beyonce on through, you know, that we're inclusive towards black people. We've got black Oscar winners. We can make presenters. And then arguably two of the most famous black people in America, one of them slaps the other one. And it was just sort of like, you know, like – you know, the Oracle of Delphi, you go to the Oracle of Delphi and say, right. I want to make this a wonderful, a memorable night for for African-Americans at the
0: Oscars. Your wish is granted. You know? oh, yeah. it's like, this is what <laughs> well, you get. I did, I yeah. did like the. It was really within 30 seconds. There were people preparing either a tweets or preparing their uh, their op-eds. This is because of, you know, Trump, or this is because of Nancy Pelosi. This right. is what, like, this is because yeah. of the don't say gay This is uh, all of the incredible, well, I mean, wh- whereas this is really just because um, that some, a guy's got a real anger problem and he was seated too close to the audience and there was no um, stage. There was no proscenium. It was hard for him to get, if he, if he, if he wasn't that close, if he had to walk to the side and walk up the steps, they wouldn't have done it. Um this is because he's a little bit psychotic, and and uh, my, my my take, which I did not have the courage to tweet, I would I'll just say now, but if I if you think I'll be in trouble for it, we'll cut it out later. I just said, well, at least finally, Americans are talking about black on black crime. <laughs> um,
2: <laughs> sure, here's get, the here's, I think you you know again metaphorically, right? So the setup was that they had this weird thing where they had tables in front. It was very weird. And, and uh, to Globes get to F. the stage, it was two steps up onto the stage. And Will Smith right. was essentially in the seat that was directly opposite the steps or directly like five, a couple of feet from the steps. And so he stood up, walked up the two steps, walked up to Chris Rock, slapped him, and it took all of seven seconds. And then he walked back, Right. There were literally no guardrails. That's the metaphor. (laughs) Yeah. There was no guardrail. Ordinarily, for 100 years, stages, people are sitting in an audience. Right. The stage is eight or nine feet up. It's hard to get there. Can't get up. Like, the whole thing with the Oscars was always, it was such a pain. When people had to get up onto the stage to accept the Oscar, particularly women in long gowns, and somebody had to help them up the, the steps and all of this. So they sort of eliminated that. And this was the consequence. Like it turns out there's a reason that you want a separation, even in Hollywood, even with movie Especially stars. Especially in Hollywood. They're right. nuts. You want <laughs> to keep the you yes. want to keep the people yes. on stage separate from the people in Hollywood. The crowd, yeah, because these are put two mental hospitals happening. That's why they It'll put be mental awesome hospitals like next... in the
0: country. Put them in the country in the desert. <laughs> it is difficult to get in and out. That's what that is. It'd I, be I will awesome say, if like next year they do a.
1: You have to like basically go through a TSA pre-check thing <laughs> to get to the stage. The you know, stage. Empty your pockets. Go through the middle. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Sure. yeah. Or just like you have a, to take. You have to yeah. take
2: your clonopin in front right. of the ticket taker. <laughs> or just the thirty-second rule. It's like the the, the,
0: the five-day waiting period for getting a gun. You know, like I got to wait thirty seconds.
1: Next year, it would be a really good bit if everyone has come to their senses to have will smith brought up to the stage in like one of that that vertical hannibal, hannibal electric electric.
0: Stretcher. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. well i mean I, I i let me just say two one is that uh, um uh, what i heard was was happening on in the auditorium in the 45 minute interval between slap and award slap and ovation right um, was, uh, a slap to ovation Delta. Is yeah. The, the slap to ovation Delta that time, that time horizon or whatever it is, uh, was, um, every time there was a, there was a commercial break, there was a swarm of publicists and handlers uh, right there. in that little, little orchestra pit throne area that he was sit, seated in. So they had 45 minutes to come up with the apology. And, um, that's what they came up with. And the second thing is, um, and, I, and I, this is a rumor, so I will let, allow you to draw the own, your own conclusions in it. But the person I want to hear from is uh, a fellow Oscar nominee in 2001. Because remember, Will Smith was nominated in 2001 for Ali, Ali I think. Um, and so was Ethan Hawke for something. Training Day, I think. Tra- yeah, Training Day. The winner was um, Denzel Washington. Yeah. And I want to hear from Ethan Hawke, because apparently there was an altercation with Ethan Hawke that night. Um,
2: so, Will Smith has been famous for 40 years. Just like me. Uh, he's been famous since Fresh Prince. Maybe it's not 40 years. Maybe it's 30, 30. years. I'm sorry, because, right. So, 32. Fresh Prince was the early, was uh, just the beginning of the 90s, right? They
0: shot the pilot of Fresh Prince in 1990
2: okay so he has been world famous for 30 some odd years and became the biggest movie star in the world for about i don't know 10 years maybe from 90 from 95 through 2005 and then he started making bad movies and he kind of went cold and then he got hot again he went cold but you know i mean you know this better than i Most, you know like People like this do not live a life that is recognizable to everybody else who lives a life. you know they can 't go out they are it 's like they eighteenth century royalty they live in they live in castles behind moats uh If they want to go to a restaurant, i mean I know somebody who worked with Will Smith wanted to go to a restaurant, so he bought out the restaurant right so everyone could go to dinner with him, but he couldn 't be in a restaurant with other pe- people because he couldn't he, he wouldn't hit them <laughs> right or right or or he couldn't eat you know he couldn't he couldn't do anything right. he would just be stared at he's also very tall so he's you know he doesn't have uh, the possibility yeah. of any kind of anonymity you know it's like elvis you know elvis went out after midnight would go to you who loved amusement parks he would go to amusement parks after midnight right because if he'd gone yeah. to an amusement park, he could, he had to buy out an amusement park and go at one o'clock in the morning. And yet,
0: yeah, I saw Tom Holland, who is a, in the huge movie, two huge movies, big, big movie star, maybe the hottest, youngest movie star around, at Balthazar, sitting there quietly with some other guy, and some kid walked up to him and was, you know, incredibly excited to see that it was. Tom Holland had asked for a picture and got one. And Holland was really smiley and nice and perfectly gentle. And then he slapped him. Then there was no slapping at all. And then I was like, once I was in a restaurant in in, uh, Miami beach and uh, at a little booth table was um, Harry Styles and a few other people. And as Harry Styles got up to leave. The kind of, it was. You could tell everybody who kind of wanted the people who worked at the restaurant kind of wanted to say hello. And he very politely, and I remember, he very politely stood there and took pictures and shook everybody's hand. It was incredibly, incredibly. Nice. Harry Styles was a big, 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 fat right. star, and I remember I actually said out loud like an elderly person. <laughs> And I was so loud, I think he might have heard it. But I just couldn't stop. I was like, well, he's a very nice young
2: man, is what I said out loud. Right, and I right. almost killed myself. Right. But it's but truly how I feel about Harry Styles. But let's see how he let's see how he behaves 10, 15 years from now. Harry Styles has been famous for 10 years. Let's see what it's like after you know 30 what I think years. To that, what? take Harry Styles' name out of your f-ing mouth.
1: <laughs> <laughs> hey, so before we get off of this, because I mean, I, I'm this is a, a, a point of information question um so i have not read every tiktok on this but i watched the video obviously <laughs> you don't
2: read TikToks.
1: <laughs>
0: you, know I mean. you don't read tiktok oh you mean the tiktok kind of the the article tiktok the journal timeline TikTok. yes okay. the way
1: i used the phrase up until three years ago without any confusion yeah um okay so chris rock's joke was not particularly offensive right i mean no, like, or and or funny or funny and um and it was said with such sort of uh, preemptive you know love that it should not have been a big deal will smith then laughs right 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 is the theory that he looked over at his wife and saw that she was upset and then all of a sudden realized oh i shouldn't have laughed and felt even more anger, not just at Rock, but at himself for, like, having, like, laughed at something and then had to prove to his wife that he actually was on her side. I mean, like, what is the the prevailing explanation right. for exactly why he did
2: it? The prevailing explanation is that they have one of the weirdest marriages on Earth. <laughs> that is the prevailing yeah. explanation. Like, this right. is a marriage... In which he has said that they don't, they have an open marriage. And she has actually publicly done a YouTube show with her mother and her daughter, in which she talked about the guy that she slept with who was not her daughter's father. This is public. Plus, she has alopecia. (laughs) Now, she has alopecia and she has decided to own it by going around. Same you know, with, my with, a, with, a, with yeah. a bald head, right? right? Yeah, she looks great. She could wear, yeah. or she could wear a wig. Mm-hmm. You know, Pratt. I mean, there are people. Mike yeah. Nichols wore a wig. He had alopecia. People wear wigs. There are a lot of people who have thinning hair. Women who you know have falls and do various. Have things. Have you ever?
0: I mean, you, I mean, I don't mean to. I'm yeah. not trying to be Chris Rock or anything, but yeah. You, I would call your hair, John thinning. Yes, thinned. Yes, but A call memories. memory. Yes. Yes. <laughs> yes. But, but have you ever did, at, at any point, I mean I know I'm not derailing this, but yes. I go back yeah, to it. I am curious. Yes. At yes. any point did you think to yourself, huh? I wonder what it would what would it what would it look like with the with the with the, with the toupee?
2: I never ever did because my I didn't father say, I, I lost didn't, my father lost his hair way younger than I did. So I grew up. Did you ever think about it? No, did, no. Are you thinking about it now? No, I mean... As your, I'm, own, I'm, as your own hair wisps away? It, it doesn't wisp away. It's okay, like my hairline is receding no, a little no, bit. Fair enough. I mean, no, I have a full head. No, way no back, but, but no, but so I'm not a woman. I'm not a sex symbol. I'm not <laughs> right. like somebody who's famously glamorous or famously beautiful. Untrue, untrue, untrue. Okay, but, but I'm just saying that she decided to, you know, to own it, right? Yeah. And And the joke that Chris Rock made was a reference to a movie in which we are meant to celebrate the character of G.I. Jane because she is such a badass. to mean more, And looked awesome. That To prove herself as a soldier that she shaves her head like all the other guys do and, and says, suck my D and stuff like that. And that is, she is supposed to be a triumphant, empowered character. So if he makes a joke about how Jada Pinkett Smith is bald like GI Jane and is doing GI Jane too? That is not insulting. That, that would right. seem to be like a, ce- a right. celebration. I don't know what it is, and it's not really funny. And he did it off the cuff, and like comedians do, you know. I don't think mm-hmm. you're really supposed to test a bit in, you know, at the Dolby the Theater. It's hard not to... in front of 15 million people. How like, are you supposed like, to test it? Yeah, don't. Uh, yeah, maybe not the wisest idea, but. um, that's why I mentioned this thing with the people that I worked with who, who went off, you know, like Vesuvius with no warning. Because that's what happened with Elizabeth. That's why it was so terrifying. That's why it was so weird. Was that, yeah, they just had a shot of him laughing. And then 15 seconds right. later, he's slapping Chris Brock well, I mean, in the face. We have that footage, though. Uh, 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 yeah. uh, Jonah's question, there is an
0: answer to it. There's, there's, the, the, there was plenty of coverage that night. They cut away from it, but it's there. Right. We can we can find out like what they it should happened. have busted out the Madden scoreboard, and they like circle on the
1: screen. Yeah, now the Stratocaster. See. <laughs> yeah, whatever they yeah. called it.
2: Whatever. The, yeah, that's that there No. Yeah. Well, it's there. That's why the Academy is going to be doing you know is is uh, is, is doing a forensic report, the Warren Commission, mm-hmm. yeah, on 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 what happened. Um, I mean, the, so, look, the 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 thing that matters here again gets to the question of how the world responded to it. And as I say, I think, you know, my long time rap about how one of the weird things about what's happened in America in the 21st century is that things just don't work right anymore. Mm -hmm. They, they seem to work pretty well, you know, sort of systems and things. And then they, then to bring it full circle, I've quoted you on this. You've brought it back to the Oscars, right? right? You
1: said the moment that the universe tore open, and we went down a crazy timeline was when they screwed up
2: the Best Picture the la, thing. Right, the La La Land Moonlight thing. That's right. But And it wasn't yeah. just that, but I mean, sort of, it was kind of like Y2K. That was the moment when you were like, really? You mean all all of the computer systems in the world could crash because it never occurred to people that they needed to have four digits for the, the year for the instead year. of two digits for the year? So it didn't happen. And as far as we know, unless I think it's you know, because the they universe, refused to, I
1: think it's because they refused to flip the odometer on Twentieth Century Fox,
2: <laughs>
0: right? And See? it, just, it right. held on to a chunk
2: of reality. So right? I'm just saying, like things true, just actually. started to go screwy, right? And things went screwy, and this is just another. This is another very public, very thing of something going sideways that you would never expect to go sideways, like and and all and in a very you know self destructive and bizarre fashion. That it went sideways. The winner went sideways, and that's that's.
1: Okay, that's so why I hijacked so this discomfort. for two seconds. Yes, uh, please do. Okay, I'm going to change the subject a little bit, and I want to I want to address something to Rob, and I want you to know, as Chris Rock said about Jada Smith, I say this with love. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, when John callously said that you were losing your hair, right? You said very um animatedly more animated than I'm used to seeing you I have really to, I was yeah that's true uh you said well no 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 my hairline's receding but it's it's full and wavy in the back and yeah, <laughs> yeah. I just want to be clear like I don't think you know I, I don't think you're bald I, you know you're not losing your hair all that kind of stuff and you were you were a fine specimen of a man I'm, I'm, don't get me wrong yeah but when I but, hear people talking like that yes hey i I play the movie forward like ten years and they have convinced themselves no one notices their comb over, right? right? It is that it is the sort of like my hair is still thick and great in the back and it's it's okay here. You know, no, it, right? And it's like no, no, no. People can see what what the true state of your hair is, and you should just own it. And I'm just I'm saying it now so that in so 15 years yes. from now, when you're in your forties. Well, You'll, you'll understand you understand where I'm coming from. It,
0: I it, I will be dead in ten or fifteen years. I think that's pretty. <laughs> clear. I'm not going to make it. But you're correct. I do remember in my high school class, uh, there was a guy who was like, uh, uh, just like super tall, super handsome. Like he was like a very very well known like star kind of kid. And then the uh, Jonah
1: Goldberg of your class,
0: the Jonah Goldberg of our class, uh-huh. and then later, uh, and he remained that way, and he has, 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 has had and has had the subsequent years a, a kind of a glamorous life too, but he he did have a receding hairline early on, and he kept saying this, he kept saying, I don't care about it, like I feel like a man should show a little forehead, and so I, except for that I'm wearing headphones now, I do have it, I do now, I think you're right, my my solution, I'm taking my headphones off, is to continually which you're probably losing it even making it lose faster is to put is to is to make it go backwards it back. right to mm-hmm. sort of not do the thing where mm-hmm. it's like I'm pretending that it's like that it's covering oh, your, God, right yes I'm going backwards um right. uh, and that but, but that's because I'm worried about that very thing I don't really think about it too much uh, mm-hmm. although I, I, I must say that my Instagram account Thinks about it a lot, apparently, because <laughs> algorithmically, I get served a lot of ads for
2: hair loss um, and remarkable am... hair restoration. So. so you would ask me about a toupee and I, I just had this memory, which is that around Uh-oh. 1993, 1994, when my hairline really began to recede, I had had a very, very thick, curly, bushy head of hair.
1: You had like the original Jufro. For I it. had a the real
2: Jufro. Jufro big, yeah. big heavy Jufro, and it just started to go away. And ra- right, around then is when Rogaine came on the market. So Rogaine was the thing that would grow back your hair, right? That was the, it was a topical ointment and you put it on your head. It was made for something else, but it turned out that it grew hair. Right. So right. I was like, okay, I'm going to try Rogaine. So I get a prescription for Rogaine and I get the Rogaine. So here is what the Rogaine thing was. It was put it on your head twice a day, and after six months, you might get a little bit of fuzz kind of returned where there were still hair follicles that were receding.
1: I can smell the Rogaine ads falling away from this podcast every second no. you talk. And can't
2: wait. <laughs> and you were going to have to do this every day for the rest of your life. Otherwise, the fuzz would fall out. And so I did it for like two weeks. And then I woke up one morning and I said, what the hell i'm not i'm not gonna do this this is ridiculous and i threw the rogaine away and then i let nature nature take its course right, right. um and i and i don't think anybody uses rogaine anymore i mean it's like wouldn't it, it be cream advertised? what is it a cream no it was kind it was yeah it was it, a pill? it was clear it a no, no 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 it was a topical application you rubbed it You you rubbed wow. it into your scalp and i mean i haven't seen it in stores i mean I, they don't advertise it maybe maybe it's now generic, so nobody makes money on it I, I don't I don't really know, but it was a it was a very big deal like it was one of those drugs that came on the as a miracle right it was Rogaine was going was going to end baldness the way that you know i don't know Viagra was going to end you know Viagra, which was like fifteen years later or ten years later or something had that same kind of like cultural impact mm-hmm. Uh, so I guess Viagra is still used, Rogan you don't hear, and then there was the other big one, you remember, which was Olestra. You remember Olestra was fake oh, yeah. fat? And that was going to end overweightness, except for the, the problem, the <laughs> Olestra problem. <laughs> do you remember the term that was the Olestra problem? Oh, I yeah, do. You right, ate right. Olestra? Right. Anal mm-hmm. leakage.
1: That's right. That, that was it, right.
2: That if you had potato chips made with Olestra...
0: Basically,
2: right. you would drip from your hiney. Right. And, uh, and so Alestra, they spent $100 million marketing it, and then that was the end of Alestra. Right. <laughs> once, once people either heard or learned that uh, there was this side effect, so much for fake fat. And that was the end of fake fat. And here we are. and they haven't, They haven't fixed it, apparently, because you never hear about that
1: now. Now, do you guys remember GLH number nine? No, what was that? Uh, it was among my favorite infomercials of all time. And Larry King was a customer. It was... garlic? Is it garlic? Um, Is it garlic? It, 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 no. GLH number nine stood for great looking hair number nine. The implication being that the GLH one through eight were not the right formula, but GLH number nine nailed it. And it was a can of specialty, essentially spray paint. Spray, shoe oh, right. that oh. you sprayed on your head. Yes. Uh-huh. And, and I think Stephen Miller used some version of it not too long ago on TV, but it's just like a spray on thing and it would take the shine out of your bald spot. And, right.
2: um, oh. uh, is and it, they like would have like infomercials about it like silly string? Is it like, did it have, did it have, um, body? Cause there was not, that I stuff you could spray like it, silly yeah, string on your there head. was like
0: they had that. That was like, that was a Ron Popeil thing. Yeah. It was a uh, Ronco thing and uh and and um it was like this weird kind of it was like a, it was like silly string but thinner. <laughs> and and you would kind of you couldn't you couldn't uh brush it too much. You had to kind of like finger it into place. Right, cuz it could come out. It could come out it like could come out. it would just yeah,
2: yeah, a yeah, yeah, lightly right. sprayed yeah. thing.
0: And uh, sort of like and, spray on snow and like on wind. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. and the most interesting thing about it was that Uh, At my old gym in Los Angeles, the LA Sports Club, which is now something else, but in the old days, it was a gym called LA Sports Club, and it was on uh, Sepulveda, and it was sort of a fancy gym, Uh, and uh, Ron Popeil was a member, and we saw him. And he was a nice guy. He was like, kind of like, you, you imagine Ron Pupil, like he's a big salesman, you know, sweat, set it, and forget it. He's the Ronco Electric, the pocket fisherman, and the rotisserie, and that's that, the guy, and the infomercial guy. And then one day he's there, and you know, you're know you in the gym, and the gym's in, like little bays, and you're like in the locker, and you're getting dressed, and we're, a bunch of us are getting dressed, and we're not, you know how it is, you don't really, you're not really relating to each other. But we are aware that that's Ron Popiel because he's got a very distinctive voice. And then he goes to the b- b- mirror section as he's getting dressed to leave. And he pulls out of his little kit, a uh, thing, and he sprays, just like he does on the infomercial, the back of his head. And we all look <laughs> at each other like, well, you know, at least he, he does, in fact, use his product.
2: He likes his product. Well, Ron... like the guy from the club,
0: the hair, the hair, the club,
2: hair club for, for men, men. men, he said,
1: I'm not only the owner, I'm their yeah. customer. Yeah. Why wouldn't the GLH people be the
2: same? My late exactly mother-in-law right. went on her first date in high school with Ron Popeil wow, really? in Chicago in the 1940s. Uh the late Ron Pupil, he died. Recently. The late Ron Purple and the late uh, Bobby Cohen, yes. Right. Uh were, were went on their first uh, date. To Bobby then Bobby Cheska. So, um so Ron Was Pupil, he like I, have I, I got Cheska. an invention
0: for you and like got really creepy
2: and weird. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> no, I'm going to be an inventor,
0: a famous inventor. Like okay, that's it. This date is now over. No, you yeah. understand. <laughs> don't you hate it when you go fishing and <laughs> no, I don't. I, I don't care. You I don't. drop the remote and you can't find it in right.
1: the
2: couch? Yeah, Do you remember <laughs> You remember that um, Malcolm Gladwell did a piece about Ron Popeil, whom everybody, you know, we knew him as like, he was like one of the first direct marketers on television. Yeah, the pocket fisherman. That was like the first thing. And Ronco, and then he had various other things. And then he kind of went into abeyance, and then he came back with this rotisserie oven. And Malcolm did this piece in the New Yorker, According to him, the Ron Popeil rotisserie oven was the best oven that had ever been brought to market, that it made a perfect rotisserie, ho- yeah. rotisserie chicken at home. It was 100% effective, and then it was an amazing, amazing thing that this guy who had been famous for selling schlock junk for, you know, 19 – but but wait, there's more, right? That I think that was mm-hmm. his phrase – had actually come up with this genius – uh, consumer product that did something better than anybody else had ever done it before. But Rob, you're a cook. Did you ever have a, did you ever have I, a, a Ron Popeil I, I rotisserie didn't, chicken? I didn't thing? have one. I mean,
0: it's, it's sort of interesting though. I think the reason why it was so effective is because it's like the, the old easy bake oven, right? It's just a big light bulb that gets very hot <laughs> and it's the size of the oven that is so small that you can, as long as your chicken is there, it cooks really evenly. It's just a matter of like, you know, 100 watts and a chicken, and eventually it's beautiful. Um,
2: I don't know whether I I uh, want to to make Malcolm Gladwell
0: about it, but like, uh, yeah. (laughs) But you know, I I was more interested in the pocket fisherman because the the theory of the pocket fisherman was that you're always in these positions (laughs) when fishing is available to you and you don't have the equipment. That's what I loved about, oh, damn, here I am on the pier, and I can't fish. (laughs) I wish I had my pocket fisherman.
1: Well, I got to admit, though, like, some of the infomercials were really, like, the ability to make an infomercial for a product you don't need, where by the end of it, you're like, how have I ever lived without that? I mean, like. You, some of the old Ginsu knife commercials. Mm-hmm. I was like, I need a knife that can cut through a tin can. I need a knife that can cut now, through a I tin, tin it can. I need it now. <laughs> yeah.
2: yeah. I am very, you know, those ma- but, malls have these stores. There's this mall yeah. chain called As Seen on TV. Yeah. Where you actually can go and buy in the store what they sell on TV. It's very disappointing now. You can When you go to those stores, you can also be slapped by Will Smith now. <laughs> Well, I mean, but it's very disappointing because, like, you think, "Oh my God, this is what I've always wanted." Is I actually want to look at one of these things I've seen on TV, and I think they basically <laughs> run run out. It's like secular stagnation. Like, no one's invented a good TV product. You know, we got my pillow. That's what we got. We got my pillow. Right. And, and it's self lubricating catheters, those are what we get you've oh, seen on t v You now. can
0: live without a my pillow, but if you 're going to get a catheter, get one that self lubricates I, 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 the, the vernacular of those little movies, these infomercial movies is so great because they all have one part they are classic sales you know it 's like the passion play it 's a classic sales you pageant where you need that part in the early on in the piece where people are being. Uh, Inconvenience and exhausted and frustrated and pained and in some case injured by the current state of affairs. So there's always people like, don't you hate your pill? Oh, oh, oh. people like, oh, and there's always some woman lo- holding up whatever is she like trying to open the tin can and she goes does that thing where she goes. <sighs> And she blows straight up and her bangs go crazy because she's just so frustrated. And then the solution comes. They all have it. I and, like it where the old man says, barks at his wife, this catheter is not going to lubricate itself. Yeah, yeah. And then the voiceover says, no, yes, it, it, it hurts when I catheterize. <laughs> I, I'm frightened when someone knocks on my door late at night. That kind of thing. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the best um, – now, to bring it right back to Will Smith, the best infomercial I ever saw was, uh, ironically, kind of like the worst one and the most um, ineffective. Clap and go. Well, no. It was uh, one for um, uh, Scientology. I remember uh, their old ones, the Dianetic commercials mm-hmm. and stuff. And... Yeah. This was an infomercial, and they got uh-huh. um, they got the, uh, one of the kids from the Waltons. Uh, she, was, she was a Scientologist, and they got her. She was grown up and she's talking about uh it was difficult being a child star in the waltons and she's got that weird kind of cr- crazy eyes in right into the camera and what was weird about it was that they they were unaware because they were all scientologists that this that she was coming off as enraged and for some reason this was not a soothing hey we're going to teach you how to fish with the pocket fisherman it was like it, uh she kept saying things like uh, and I was trying to be an actor after the Waltons, but I hadn't taken care of my, whatever it is, her past life. It's sort of like your past, whatever your past, and, and whatever, like you have these, um, react the reactive mind, which your was M-gram. very, yeah, which, and then she looks at the camera and goes, which was very difficult if you want to be an actress. And then she smiles, this ghastly rictus that isn't a smile, but someone told her to smile. And you realize, oh, this is an insane person trying to sell me an insane product. And they only ran it for like, I think, a month, and then they took it off. But it's they didn't understand that it that that people are put off by the anger. Like, what are you so angry about? You so know, I to
1: Ellen or whatever. I visited a when I was a television producer. I visited a friend of mine, uh, Todd. You may know him, Craig Turk. Um, mm-hmm. And he was going to Harvard Law School, and his roommate, I believe, was going to Harvard Business School at the time. And they their favorite thing to watch was this infomercial. And there's like, there's a subcategory. It's not just infomercials, but it's also like radio ads Mm -hmm. that if the product actually worked the way they say it works, the person selling it would be a multiple billionaire, right? Like, so like there has to be a hitch. Otherwise they wouldn't be like giving us stuff away. And this was a sort of like a farmer's almanac kind of book or like a baseball almanac kind of book of statistics. And it told you exactly the day and time to buy commodities <laughs> and then sell them. <laughs> and they would do these interviews with people. And they're like this, some farmer guy was like, you know, one of the things I really, I really don't like about investing is all the homework that you've got to do to figure out how to protect your money. And now with this, I don't have to do any thinking. I just sell when it tells me to sell and buy when it tells me to buy. And it's guaranteed profit. And it's like, if that were remotely true, why would you be? Tell- it's like, let me, let's run a commercial for a product that correctly predicts what the Powerball numbers will
2: be. Right. You know? you right. Will not share it. We should say that that guy, Craig Turk, is now, I believe, the executive producer of the, FB, the CBS FBI show. Yes. I believe. Yes. Yeah. So um, believe he right. learned a lot. Yeah. about storytelling
0: it's about storytelling about about yeah. telling uh, about getting people to uh to do a thing to watch something and then to watch it again that's true right that's a hard a hard thing to do
2: so us uh, there was sad news today very 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 sad news it's not a joke like very sad news uh bruce willis's family reported that he uh will be retiring from acting because he has um aphasia which uh, is a is a brain condition that means he can no longer speak, I believe. Um, And he's 67 years old. And um, it's a very, it's one of his moments, 67 years old. And um, it's interesting to sort of reflect on, on his career because he may be most notable for the fact that he was one of the people who uh whose agent really, but he, uh, broke the bank uh on movie stardom and uh-huh. and and reset the way that movie stars get paid. Uh so uh Die Hard is um about to I think Sylvester Sloan was gonna make Die Hard. Somebody was gonna make Die Hard and dropped out with a month before the filming was about to start. Somebody got the idea of putting Bruce Willis in Die Hard. He was like a sensation on Moonlighting. And he'd been in one movie and had, had, had acquitted himself well. And his agent said, okay, but if you want him, you got to pay him $5 million. Totally untested, not a movie star, hadn't been the sole star of a movie, nothing. And um, he got it. And suddenly this, you know, nobody who'd only been on TV for two years and three years earlier had been a bartender in New York, had the made the largest paycheck that anybody had yet gotten in in, in the movies uh, up front. And then Die Hard, of course, was a sensation. Mm-hmm. And uh, all all of Hollywood changed at that moment, because the idea was... What the hell is the matter with you? If this guy can get Bruce Willis $5 million, right? And I'm sliced, you should get me $10 million. What the hell is going on here? And then there was this mad rush, so that, you know, but at some point, 10 years later, Jim Carrey is getting $20 million to make a weird, all comic comic movie about, you know, a psychotic cable guy because he could get it. And they ran out of money. So they had to give you points
0: and then they had to give you certain kind of points so they had they gave you schwarzenegger points i think I actually think schwarzenegger is one of the very few people who got it which was points on what they called do- he called dollar one on dollar one so that traditionally there's a split and that you know the you get recoup the recoupment phase which is always fraudulent and um and he said no no no, no. we we t- i take mine off the top from dollar right. one um no fees no nothing uh, and they did it for Schwarzenegger, and they—they, they, I think they did it for a few other people. But it was—it was just because they ran out of money. They couldn't—they couldn't pay you anymore, right? Um, and now, of course, there isn't any money, so <laughs> they don't—they they they now will pay you uh, a little portion, and then another little portion, another little portion. But
2: the paydays are much smaller. I mean, much are they? Because I—I was under the impression that when you hear about like, don't look up. So don't look up is this terrible, right? right. Movie um Oscar nominated for Best Picture. Right. Made for made for Netflix with Leonardo DiCaprio and Jennifer Lawrence. So Leonardo DiCaprio, one of the two or three biggest stars in the movies, just in a huge box office hit, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Mm-hmm. And Jennifer Lawrence, who had made a couple of bombs, was largely probably considered the number one female movie star in the world. And I think they both got like $30 million up. Now, they're not getting anything else because Netflix has no back end. There's no other money to be made. But the budget of that movie was like $115 million, and half of it went just to pay the two of them. So I don't know that it's true. with The streaming services, if they really want to secure the services of somebody like Ryan Reynolds or, you know, they made that movie with Ryan Reynolds – the Rock and Gal Gadot, right? Uh, Red Notice, which is almost unwatchable. Mm-hmm. And it looks good. unbelievably cheap because they spent 90% of the budget paying them. And 10% of the budget is like, let's, let's put a, we'll, you know, we'll put a chair behind them. Like, let's rent a chair and we'll put it behind them. So that means it's a, a rich person's house, that kind of thing. So I don't think it's true that they're not getting paid. Well, I, I mean they're not getting paid, but there just there isn't the payday, right? There isn't this giant.
0: There there are no points, so you can't put it off. You can't.
2: You, yeah. You can't. Well, you can't you be can't, Robert Downey Jr. and make 150 million dollars off right. off the off Endgame, which is and you, you know
0: yeah right. And you can't take a risk. You know, you can't roll the dice, which is the way they finance movies earlier on, because like, hey, look, if you get paid a lot from dollar one, they sort of build that into the whole thing. And like, OK, I'm going to make it a little less. But if we if there's any money, we're all going to get rich. Right. So the people who made those deals with Arnold Schwarzenegger or, or, or the very few other people who got those deals, they don't regret it. They don't say, I wish I had I wish we had had somebody else played a part. Now it's just much harder because the, the window is small and they, you just don't get the box office numbers you used to get. So there's nobody paying cash. I get to watch the Netflix movie essentially for free because I am already watching Netflix right. movies. So. so could I just say two things? One,
1: uh, the thing that galls me about Leonardo DiCaprio and Jennifer Lawrence getting paid all of that money is not that they got paid a lot of money to do a movie, fine, whatever the market will bear. It's that those clowns who made that movie said that they were doing it because of their passion for the climate issue. They're so brave. And like, if you're not willing to do a few weeks worth of work um, to save the planet, maybe don't without getting paid millions and millions of dollars, maybe don't lecture other people about just trying to do their jobs. But the second, just the last thing on the Oscars, um, So, like, my understanding from what feels like 8 trillion episodes of GLOP talking about the Oscars um, is that uh, the reason they expanded the number of nominees from 5 to 10 or whatever it is, is so that they could scoop up some popular movies yeah. into the mix right it yeah. was like so we got to get some superhero movies in. we got to get some movies in here that americans actually right. go to see so people will watch the oscars among other things and instead it seems like oh we now have more bandwidth for even more obscure art house
2: self-indulgent movies i mean hasn't this just completely backfired well i mean the point is you know if they just pick the nominees if the academy just picked the nominees themselves if they did what the what mtv does and just pick the nominees like the writers of the show pick the nominees then it would be fine but in fact they actually have a voting system right and there was you know the the only movie that was dissed in that respect this year was spider-man no way home which was the biggest box office movie of the year got rapturously good reviews everybody liked it people people really enjoyed it and uh And it didn't make it into the top ten, maybe because people are like, "Well, why does Spider man need a nomination like what does it need to be recognized for it it's It's the only movie that's going to make two billion dollars this year on the planet Earth, right. so let right. that be enough for it like wh- what are they being so greedy for? Like the individual voter doesn't care how the Oscars does right <laughs> um I'm stunned because um Coda, which won, deserved to win. I only watched <laughs> Coda Sunday afternoon before the Oscars because I thought it was like a yeah. homework movie. Oh, it's a disability movie. Yeah. About Deb, children, Deb. I'm you know, it's like one of those things that's gonna, you know, be dreary. It's fantastic. It is a wonderful, wonderful, deeply moving movie. It blew me away. And, you know, by the time the show was on, this is what's interesting, I was starting to get really angry at the thought that Power of the Dog might win, um, because I suddenly had a rooting interest in Coda. Um, so I was the only person in America who actually seemed to care all that much about the outcome of who this had, Who had seen both of those movies. Yeah, well, but, yeah. I mean,
0: But Coda, does, and I say this as somebody who has not seen Coda, Coda does sort of follow the pattern of the old-style Oscar winner, serious... Um, kind of sentimental adult drama. Yeah. Um, that's not you know that's like a really
2: really good, really good. Yeah. And but thirty not... years ago, it would have made two hundred and fifty million dollars yeah, at the box it would, office. It would have been a big autumn release. Yeah, it would have been. It so would have been for you yeah. if
1: you were like an advocate for the you know the deaf or well, are we supposed to say deaf anymore? I don't know. Yeah. Or um or that actor who's only the second deaf actor, Troy Kotsur. Yeah. Right. And. You know, every morning show the next day has a certain amount of budget for Oscar talk. And it was all soaked up by the Will Smith thing. And a lot of these smaller films, that's what they were counting on. was like the buzz about their movie because they won a freaking Academy Award. And none of them got any of that chatter because who's talking about Coda when you got Will Smith slapping Chris Rock? I just feel like,
2: you know, Coda, Coda out, Coda, you know, uh, way outperformed. And they can't be upset. You know what I mean? Like, sure, sure, sure. sure it right. really did. It really did weigh yeah, out. Yeah, because you mind. can always be upset. I mean, that's what do you mean? Yeah, you, you could be, be. You could be. upset. I guarantee
1: you, the publicist for Coda is kind of yeah. pissed.
2: Yeah, right. I think Coda is probably yeah. kind of pissed. Well, the publicist for Coda is Apple, so I don't know why Apple. Apple has no right to be pissed. No, that's the funny part. But Coda but there's someone who has that, that portfolio could...
1: at Apple, and they were thinking, yeah. "This yeah. is my moment." And I know, Apple's pissed
0: for the other reason that they are the producer of the next Will Smith movie. <laughs>
2: That's right. That's right. Which it's um. Yeah. Anyway, do we. Do you, Emancipation, qu- it's called, at least. Remember, I believe. Remember, I mean, Tom Cruise blew up his career in 2006 by acting crazy, right? He jumped on Oprah's couch. He screamed at Matt Lauer. Remember this about psychiatry? At him. And he was, was like, I, I know kind of the recovery. history of psychiatry, Matt. I don't think you know oh. the history of psychiatry. Oh, John. Remember, there. and then he you're talked glib. about Brooke Shields.
0: He kept saying you're glib. Yeah. your glib yeah, yeah. but he and then, but, but by the way Tom Cruise yeah. knows how to apologize he showed up at Brookshield's Shields house with like right I don't know like cookies right. and a diamond but
2: it took him five years it you know Sumner Redstone the head of Paramount fired him I mean then he, then that then that didn't last that long or but I mean there was a whole thing where it took him like five years to regain to get back to where he had been when he had this horrible set of PR disasters right um is Will Smith, I mean, Will Smith just, you know, like, re, re, you know, kind of restored his career by winning an Oscar and then shattered his career by slapping Chris Rock, and does any of that matter? Is, I mean, are people going to watch Will Smith's next movie or is it like, yeah, ooh, I don't know, like, they'll watch it. I think they'll watch it.
0: Well, we'll find out soon enough. I, I, I think that, I mean, the the question, the larger question is, go, what happens now, right? And, uh, you know, the... the uh, the Academy is meeting today. I mean, actually, Richard Rushfield had a very funny line. in and, and he said, "The Academy, you know, uh, snapped into action. They called an emergency They they called for uh, on Monday. They called for an emergency meeting for Wednesday. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> very uh, very Academy, very elegant thing to do. So wait until we find out which way the wind is blowing, and then let's just go there. Um, so they're meeting today, and so the question is, okay, what are they going to do? And there's a whole bunch of different. You know, option on the table. The worst one it seems to me is to um, take his Oscar away. That doesn't seem fair. Um,
2: but take the, his Oscar they, away. Don't you have to take Harvey Weinstein's Oscar away yeah, for Shakespeare and Love and Roman yeah. Polanski's I mean, Oscar away for The Pianist? I mean, and... the
0: the argument is that he disrupted the the uh, the the functioning yeah. of an Academy events um there's you can suspend him from the academy which i'm not sure i know what that does but it's it's
2: symbolic He really can't can't be nominated for an oscar next year or something
0: right but the real but the real punishment i mean will be he probably won't win an oscar for many many years but the real real punishment is going to be he should not be allowed to present next year that's what the the you know that's the next big thing for the oscar winners you get to show up next year and present yeah he won't be able to do that and i feel like that is a, a, a that's a fair punishment that's what the Hannibal Lecter gurney is for, <laughs>
2: right? That's what you bring them we out. Need good, we need a good Hannibal. It's true. We could use a good Hannibal, Hannibal Lecter gurney. So um, uh, I, I, I should uh, stop here for a moment and say that, uh, as you guys know, I'm the editor of Commentary Magazine. If you're listening to this next week on April 6th, we're having a live podcast event. We are going to be doing our podcast live tape in Palm Beach, Florida, if you're interested in attending uh, please go to commentary.org slash live podcast to sign up uh, and uh, I'll be there. My colleagues, Abe Greenfield, Greenfield, Jesus, Abe Greenwald, <laughs> Abe Greenwald, Christine Rosen and Noah Rother will be there. Dan Cena will be there. It'll be a great event. Commentary.org slash live podcast. I can't even speak anymore.
1: So John, I have an idea for yeah. a premium that you can sell at that yeah. thing. Remember how James Brooks had his crazy laugh woven into the laugh track on various sitcoms yeah you know particularly i always remember from taxi that yeah. laugh yeah someone can pay extra to have themselves might so that their laugh will be distinctively heard hmm. um during the podcast
2: oh that is a yeah a we good idea. Run a, maybe not this time but next time we will oh, we will boy laugh. talk about we will, we will do that. We, great yeah.
0: idea. Maybe not this time. I've heard that. <laughs> oh, I love that. idea. wonderful. That's so great. You know, maybe, maybe next time, because we have to do the thing. Let's do it in the we sequel. We can't, we'll can't right sequel. now because of the thing. Um, I'll, I'll say, since you said uh, commentary, I'll say that um, this is a podcast. that's on the Ricochet Network. Um, if you're listening, please join ricochet.com. If you're a student, you can join for free. Um, it's a great place to go and, uh, mix it up and meet in a civil way with other like-minded center-right individuals. We try to keep it nice and civil, the conversations, unlike Twitter and the, uh, the internet in general. Um, and we, of course, need your support because that is what keeps the lights on. So if you're like, if you like this podcast, we would, uh, respectfully, humbly beg you to join Ricochet.com. And, uh, Jonah,
2: uh, I've... Jonah is the, uh, is one of the founders
1: of The Dispatch, and indeed I am, but I was gonna take the high road and not oh. try to commandeer this for my own pr- narrow purposes. But uh yeah, if you could become a member of the dispatch, that would be awesome. <laughs> and uh go ahead and do that. And uh tired of the out. other websites. Oh,
2: oh I would just
0: yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no.
2: Okay. I am now gonna I'm now gonna I'm now gonna promote the, the dispatch for for a second, which is that um the morning dispatch, which is the newsletter that is released around seven a.m. Mm-hmm. Um uh, Monday through Friday is absolutely fantastic. It is a, it is, um, an elaboration. There are two or three elaborations on important news stories of the previous day or news or news mm-hmm. of the upcoming day, uh, sophisticated, incredibly thorough, fair, uh, unhysterical, um, and uh, uh, you have a team of people doing it and it is, you know, I, I get a lot of these now, you know, mm. I get the Axios one, I get the punch bowl thing one, and I the... get the, this one and that one. Um, and it's, 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 it's it's really a, just a, a, a remarkably good piece of journalism uh, of the sort that websites have been promising for years and not actually delivering because of course it's much easier right. to produce the you know, to produce well, the that's opinion. That's very nice
1: of you. Those guys work very, very hard on that thing to get it out every day by seven. And the whole ethos is uh, it's going to tell you something that, you, you, that we think you need to know and it's not going to waste your time telling you it. So it's, um, right. yeah. and, the, and we try to report in it, you know, we try to actually bring new information into the thing, which is-
0: God obvious. forbid they screw up in any way and they get slapped upside the face. Yes, well,
1: that's, I'm not saying that's never happened.
2: <laughs> Jonah, Jonah the famous rageaholic. Jonah that's and right. Steve, the two of them, Jonah Goldberg and Steve Hayes, famous for their for their rages.
1: Actually, the guy who just is, who we're so glad he's based out of Tennessee, is David French because that guy is My just God. a helicopter he's a of
2: fists. cauldron. Yeah. yeah, he's a bubbling um, cauldron.
0: But he's always been a bad seed.
2: He's always really? had. There's always been trouble with him. Yeah, you know, he likes those drag queen story hours <laughs> so
1: does so one of the three co-founders of compact magazine
2: but that's another story <laughs> nah, we're not going there we're not going there so um yeah so there we are i think we've uh, i think we have uh um, we achieved well, we, lost- did we, 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 we did, an emergency the,
1: we did yes. tease the beginning that we were going to talk about madison cawthorne we don't need to do it at any okay. length okay i just want to ask you guys a question do you for I want to to ask in a leading way. Do you guys believe that Madison Cawthorn is routinely invited by 16, 70-year-old elder Republican leaders and conservative
2: leaders to orgies? Well, I think he's probably stumbled onto an orgy in an old mansion uh, on the north shore of Long Island in which people in masks are going. Oh my name, my name, my name and name, like an eyes wide shut. And then yeah, you know, I, Sydney Pollack uh, says, "Don't you better leave, better get out of here, Madison Cawthorn, because there are things going on here that you can't possibly understand."
1: The only problem I, with that theory is that Roger Stone's house is not in Long
0: Island. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I, I don't know how to say this, so I'm just going to say it, and it's a legit question. Are there orgies that are ADA compliant? (laughs) I mean, imagine if there are, they'll be in D.C. That's where they would be. Now, I think San Francisco,
1: right? I mean, that's Silicon Valley, you know? Yeah. Um, And you have to identify, you have to say what your pronouns are and say, like, white body or
0: whatever. Uh, (laughs) Yeah. Um, I did – you are right about San Francisco. I had a friend of mine who was um, – he uh, he went to a gallery opening or an art opening in San Francisco. And, uh, and you know, it was like the thing where everybody's standing around with white wine and there's cheese board and whatever. And then, oh, the beautiful painting. Right? And then at a certain point, certain of the rooms in the gallery, sort of like a, a multi-room gallery, uh, were kind of there, – there was like curtains drawn like while the party was going on. And he was there with a friend of his. And uh, and they sort of noticed that like party goers were like kind of disappearing from the main room into other rooms, and that that was the beginning of the orgy that was had been unannounced was not part mm-hmm. of the in, in the initial invitation to the art thing, and then the creepy uh, gallery or gallerist I guess they call them owner came up to them and another group and said uh, in this kind of incredibly great way, is everyone in the room they want to be in? (laughs) and then you would say oh actually i'm gonna go to that room uh and then he and his friend said yeah well actually no we're we're gonna be in the room out just outside on the other side of this the room in the uber that's on the way to pick us up to get us out of here uh but that was like they were like the rest of the like week they're like "That, that was really that really happened so i'm not saying that madison Cawthorn isn't full of crap he is but um it, I I'm just surprised that there are people that, I I'm no longer surprised at the embarrassing things that people will do. Yeah, no, that's fair. That's fair. I mean, I had a friend just since we're at, when's the next time
1: we're gonna have a chance for one of these stories. Um, I have a friend who went to a club in Paris, right. Uh, where above the, it was like a normal club kind of bar scene. And then above them suspend sort of like the, the net that trapeze artists fall into at the circus, there was there were people having sex on the netting above them. That's and that's hard. And yeah, I would think. And, right. and the way he described him, he's like, I was I was not comfortable being there, and I can't really mime it for a podcast for a listening audience. <laughs> but he, everywhere he walked, he just kept one hand over his
2: glass.
0: <laughs> I, uh, I I I really really
2: hope that those people who were on those nets did not have any olestra. That's a good point. That's a good Is, point. That's yeah. pretty you, much all I can say.
0: But you but would some know. Some of them were on a rotisserie of sorts. But that's, <laughs> that's true. true. Story. <laughs> but you would know who those people were later by the elaborate netting pattern that was etched into their skin. <laughs> like they probably looked fully webbed at some point. Um, I have a terrible joke, a terrible not a joke, terrible story that I can't tell, but it involves this. It's just so hard. I can't. Okay, I, can't, I will okay, tell. I'll tell
2: can't. my. I'll tell my one orgy story, which is that this is this is my hand to God true. Oh, my, in 1978, uh, in the summer of 1978, I was 17 years old, and I went to be an apprentice at the Williamstown Theater Festival in Williamstown, Massachusetts. 1978. So this is just before, uh, you know, three years before AIDS. You know, before the story in the New York Times that revealed that there was a condition called called then called GRID, uh, which turned out to be AIDS. So it was the height of the kind of um, sybaritic bohemian culture of the 1970s. And I was a kid and I was the, maybe the youngest person at the Williamstown Theater Festival. And we would work till very late building sets, like till 9, 9, 30, 10. And the cast would be, would be rehearsing. And the apprentices and other people would be building sets. And then at 10 o'clock, everybody would break for the night And there was a cocktail party behind the theater, the Adams Theater, in a building called Greylock Hall. And Greylock Hall had been laid out to be one of these, like, those lounges. I don't know if people are old enough to. In the 70s, there was a big craze to have lounges where it was just, like, carpeting and pillows. And there mm. were no, you know, d- there were no chairs. There were no couches. Like everything was, everything was sort of on the floor. Sort
1: of like what Kramer wanted to do with his apartment
2: with levels. Exactly. Yeah. Right. Levels. Yeah. There were levels. And so there was this big open space. And so you go to Greylock call and you go in and there was a bar. there was an open bar. And, um, uh, and the, so I was this kid. And so the first or second or third night I went to this event and you know there was someone was playing music and people were dancing and stuff like that there were like 60 70 people in the room and then at some point about half an hour in I began to notice the lights started getting dim and I noticed (laughs) that people started lying down on the floor on these levels pillows whatever and other people were lying down and people were doing this doing that And I was, though I was, you know, from the ultra-sophisticated Upper West Side of New York, and I knew all this stuff, I was very inexperienced, you know, uh, in this manner. And it began to occur to me that what I was seeing was an orgy, (laughs) was starting. And in fact, indeed, pretty much every night in Greylock Hall... Behind the Adams Theater at the William Sam Theater Festival, yeah. there was a spontaneous, not so spontaneous since everybody knew what was happening, Theater. orgy. And I went that first night and I fled. Sure. And I never went back. I was terrified.
0: Now, just so I can, I, can, yeah. I, can I just ask, uh, uh, where, what, what, where, what state was your hair in at this point? Uh, there was a lot of it. It was the full, the full, it Jufro? was the full Jufro. Yes. So a
1: little really does complete the image. It does. It's it? Important. <laughs> yes. yes. Because,
0: it, because the yes. alarm and the panic and the yeah. confusion and the terror is better
2: yes. than the Jufro. Yes. Yes. You have to think about me yeah. like as, you know, Robbie Benson or Scott Jacoby or one of those well, okay. one of those actors of the right. 19, kid well, actors not of the go. 1970s. Okay. Uh, but it was, you know, it was, and, and it's one of the things, by the way, that and various other, uh, things at Williamstown that, that, that led me away from the theater as a, as a, as a profession, like, which I thought I was going to attempt, um, because more, like,
1: pushed you away <laughs> directly, <speaking,
0: laughs> right? I mean, not led for, for, you away. for many people, well, that's what draws them there. Uh, but... <laughs> that's right.
2: That's right. And I, that was not my, that was not my reaction. My reaction was sort of spontaneous horror, I have to say, and, uh. There have been moments in my life when I wondered, like, what would have happened had I partaken. And then I also remember that a great many people that I was at Williamstown that summer with did not survive the 1980s, literally did not survive the 1980s Right, because of behaviors that they indulged in at places like Greylock Hall behind the Adams Theater uh, in the summer of 1978. So That's a really uplifting. Geez. Yes, it is. Well, you know, crushing morosity is my brand. So maybe we should yeah. end on a high note with. Uh, well, did anybody? you have a good orgy experience? Let's let's
0: <laughs> let's uh, let's have that.
2: Like, well, you no, know, Joan I and I lived. Both of us lived ten blocks from like the 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 ultimate Plato's uh, retreat, uh, right. right? Which, um,
1: which I've been inside. I think I told this story on this podcast yeah. many years uh, yeah, ago. Yeah, yeah. Me and a bunch of my reprobate teenage friends, we had heard about, you know, it was like where well, you shot Lady Chatterley's lover or something. It was like, the, it was a full of, sort of like in the Simpsons where Chief Wiggum says to his kids, Says to the kids, what is your strange fascination with the forbidden closet of mystery? (laughs) Um, Like, we always heard parents like talking about this place and then getting quiet when we went by. So we were like looking in trying to see through the window and some guy came out and said, hey, you guys want to come in and check it out? And we were too stupid to say, this is not a good idea. So we went in, we didn't see anything weird, but we know you saw, we saw a lot of levels.
2: Uh, levels. Yeah, it's right, right. levels. It's always levels. So levels, <laughs> nets, pillows. That's the that's the secret. So as long as you got a lot of couches and a lot of chairs, and a lot of tables. All so you need. It's gonna no. You're, it's, it's not, it's, you're gonna interfere with the free love. Oh, I see. I see. That's I mean, what the I'm saying. Are good because you have the
0: under the table. <laughs> I don't know. I'm just. I'm not. I'm not in that business. So I'm just. I don't want to tell you <laughs> how to how to run your swingers club. But look, and look. It's, it's my. I've never been to an orgy. But
1: my assumption is, is that part of the benefit of an orgy is lots of line of sight. So you don't want a lot of desks and tables for under the tables stuff. But you do want you want no.
2: line of sight or do you want do you want not to see? I'm not sure. I, I anyway, I think I think we should get we, we have should have stuff.
1: Roger Stone on here, and I'm gonna
2: ask. Him. Okay, I will tell the greatest joke. I will tell the greatest joke ever. It is the greatest uh-huh. joke. It is the simplest, plainest, simplest joke, and it's very suiting, suitable. Okay, don't don't oversell it or anything. Okay, you ready? Yeah. Okay, because it's five words. Okay? Uh-huh. Pretty much. If you, if you print it out, but I'll tell you this. Sadist and a masochist, right? So the masochist says beat me, and the sadist says, later. Hey, now! <laughs> <laughs> I, I get it. I get it. I, I, nice. you know, it's the purest joke i know because it's the shortest short is always shortest and it is the truest it is the most perfect reversal of expectation with that is actually the perfect execution of the scenario
1: well i'll tell you a joke my mom told me when i was a kid and took me years to really fully appreciate it is um not a little kid but you know young is what's the difference between erotic and kinky erotic is when you use a feather kinky is when you use the whole chicken
0: (laughs) (laughs) all right I may have already told this joke. What's the worst thing? I know this joke.
2: Go. (laughs) You (laughs) know, I know exactly. We've had
0: arguments about this
1: joke. You think it's your joke from all time, but
0: what is the worst thing a girl can hear after performing a sex act on Willie Nelson? I'm not Willie Nelson. (laughs) 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 I. It is a great joke. It's
1: a fantastic a great joke. Particularly when you then picture what someone... Right. Who, this yeah. Is yeah. a homeless guy. Yeah. A very, yeah. very, very, to... very yeah. smart it's, homeless guy. Yeah, yeah. yeah, you don't need yeah. to elaborate. So I think we did,
2: I think reversed... <laughs> I think we... Have, <laughs> we pulled ourselves out of the emotional free fall and onto an acceptable level in which yeah. to end Yeah, this gruesome podcast. So, gentlemen, I guess we'll be back at some point in uh, April to to trouble uh, our listeners oh yeah it's our... like april is in two days yeah, yeah. we'll be april fools yeah enjoy april fool's enjoy day. april everybody Spader.
0: I got a hundred dollar bill, friend, keep your pills Cause oh, it's all the weather pot That cackle babble hit in the box Must think I'm dumb as a rock Reading me the news while I'm kicking off my shoes And it's scaring me out of my socks redheaded stranger I'm not But buddy, let me tell you what If you ask old Will to say, here's the deal Friends, it's all going pot. That we like it or not Best I can tell the-
2: Supposed to say either. I don't yeah. think, I think you're supposed to say either
0: because you know men oh, oh, have yeah. an opulence. Well, that's the whole point. Oh, can we talk about that? Can we talk about The pronouns are on your time uh pronouns, the, uh, the, uh, yeah. pronouns yeah. All go and uh, um, trans, uh, I guess, what's that's a transphobia? Trans, whatever? Humanism? Philia. Transphilia?
2: Um,
0: uh, in restaurants to use more like, so, say, they. Instead of like, they, they have a shellfish allergy at that table. They are choking. <laughs> they ordered the steak and yeah, they, they ordered
2: yeah,
0: yeah. the thing. Anyway, yeah. uh, should this, we, was this, uh... this was actually literally gold.